Thank you so much for that beautiful song. That is so true. And in heaven, we'll see the truth of it even more. Would you open your Bibles tonight, please, to the book of Romans, chapter 5. I'd like you to put a little marker there in Romans chapter 5. We'll be reading two verses only from that chapter. And then we'll be looking at 2 Peter near the end of the Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3. So have both those passages ready. And if you are able, would you stand to your feet with me? And we'll read these verses and have a word of prayer together. Romans chapter 5, we'll be reading verse 6. No, maybe we'll read three verses. 6, 7, and 8. Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. And then... We'll go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Let us begin with Romans 5, verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And 2 Peter chapter 3 And verse number nine, let's read that together. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let's pray now together. Our Heavenly Father, help us tonight as we try to prepare our hearts for this wonderful event, the table of the Lord. It's um, not only a, a, a command, it's our delight to do it. It's our privilege, Lord, to park our feet under your table. It's such a joy and honor to be called by your name, to be part of your family. And as has been sung forever, we will praise you for your marvelous, wonderful love. Our Lord, we ask now for special grace that by faith we can See things as they truly are. Help us, Lord, to, to see uh, salvation and this world as you see them. Help us to have a heart for the lost. Bless us now, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I read a story that I understand happened many years ago in the United States before certain political laws changed and you were able to do this kind of thing. You know, uh, it wasn't all that many years ago when um, the schools had the Ten Commandments up on the walls and things. It wasn't hundreds of years ago. And it wasn't all that long ago, really when certain political forces moved and changed and now these things are against the law to put up on the walls of the classrooms. And the following story I'm going to relate to you happened, as I understand it, many years ago in uh, Western United States. There was a certain professor of religion named Dr. Christensen. He was a very studious man who taught at a mid-size college in western United States. He loved the Lord. Not everyone at the college, though, was a Christian. Dr. Christensen taught the required survey course in Christianity at this particular institution. Every student was required to take this 
this second semester first year course, regardless of his or her major. Although Dr. Christensen tried hard to communicate the essence of the gospel to his class, he found that most of his students looked upon the course as nothing but a required boredom. Despite his best efforts, most students refused to take the Christian faith seriously. One year, however, Dr. Christensen had a special student in his class named Charlie. Charlie was a first-year student, but was studying with the intent of going on into seminary and into the ministry. Charlie was a popular young fellow. He was well-liked, and he was quite physically strong. He was also on the football team. He was part of the starting uh, center for the uh, school football team, and he was one of the best students that Dr. Christensen had in his class. One day, near the end of the second semester, Dr. Christensen had an idea, and he asked Charlie to stay after class so he could talk with him. He asked him, Charlie, how many push-ups can you do? Charlie answered, he says, I do about 200 every night. And Dr. Christensen said, 200, wow, that's pretty good. Do you think you could do 300? And Charlie replied, I don't know. I've never done 300 at one time. Well, said Dr. Christensen, do you think you could? Well, I could try, said Charlie. The professor said, can you do 300 in sets of 10? I have a class project in mind and I need you to do about 300 push-ups in sets of 10 in order for this to work. Do you think you can do it? Charlie, to be honest with you, I need you to tell me you can do it. Charlie says, well, I think I can. Yeah, he says, I think I can do it. Well, Dr. Christensen, that's good. He said, that's good, Charlie. I need you to do it this Friday. Now, let me explain to you what I have in mind. And so, when Friday came, Charlie got to class as early as he could, and he sat in the front of the room. When the class started, the professor pulled out this very large box of donuts. And uh, these weren't the ordinary, you know, plain, we call them plain Jane little donuts. These things were extra big, fancy, cream-filled, swirl toppings, sprinkles, and everything on them. And uh, when the class saw this, large box of donuts they were pretty excited and they thought wow it's friday it's the last class of the day we're going to get an early start on the weekend with a party in dr christensen's class and so dr christensen went to the first girl in the first row and asked her cynthia do you think you'd like to have one of these donuts cynthia said oh yes i sure would so dr christensen then turned to charlie and asked charlie would you do 10 push-ups so that Cynthia can have a donut? Sure, responded Charlie. And he jumped down from his desk and he did a quick 10. Then Charlie again sat back in his desk and Dr. Christensen put a donut on Cynthia's desk. And everyone was stunned. Dr. Christensen then went to Joe, the next person, and asked, Joe, do you want a donut? Joe said, yes, I do. Dr. Christensen asked Charlie, would you do 10 push-ups so that Joe can have a donut. Charlie did 10 push-ups and Joe got a donut. And so it went down the first aisle. Charlie did 10 push-ups for every person before they got a donut. 
Walking down the second aisle now, Dr. Christensen came to Scott. Now, Scott was on the basketball team, and he was in as good a shape as Charlie, and he was very popular. He had lots of girlfriends. And when the professor asked him, Scott, do you want a donut? Scott's reply was, well, can I do my own push-ups? And Dr. Christian said, no. He says, no. Scott, Charlie has to do them. Then Scott says, well, then I don't want one. So Dr. Christensen just shrugged and he turned to Charlie and he asked, Charlie, would you do 10 push-ups so that Scott can have a donut that he doesn't want? And with perfect obedience, Charlie started doing 10 push-ups. Scott said, hey, wait a minute. I said, I didn't want one. And Dr. Christensen said, now look, Scott, this is my classroom. This is my class. You're my students. These are my desks. These are my donuts. Just leave it on the desk if you don't want it. And he put a donut on Scott's desk. Now, by this time, Charlie had begun to slow down a little. He just stayed on the floor between sets of 10 because it took too much effort getting up and getting back down. You could start to see a little perspiration coming out around his brow. Dr. Christensen started down the third row. Now the students were beginning to get not just uneasy, but angry. Dr. Christensen asked Jenny, Jenny, do you want a donut? Sternly, Jenny answered, no. Then Dr. Christensen asked Charlie, Charlie, would you please do 10 more push-ups so that Jenny can have a donut that she does not want? And Charlie did 10, and Jenny got a donut. By now, a growing sense of uneasiness filled the whole room. The students were beginning to say no, and there were all these uneaten donuts on the desks. Charlie also had to really put forth a lot of extra effort to get these push-ups done for each donut. There began to be a small pool of sweat on the floor beneath his face. His arms and brow were beginning to get red because of the physical effort involved. Dr. Christensen turned to Robert, who was the most vocal unbeliever in the class. And he asked him to watch Charlie carefully to make sure he did his 10 full push-ups because Dr. Christensen himself couldn't bear to watch all of Charlie's work for all of those uneaten donuts. So we sent Robert over to where Charlie was so he could count the set and watch Charlie closely. Dr. Christensen started down the fourth row. During his class, however, some students from, from other classes had wandered in and actually sat down on the steps along the heaters, the radiators, along both sides of the room. And when the professor realized this, he did a quick count and saw that there were 34 students, not 30, but 34 students in the room. And he started to worry if Charlie would be able to make it. Dr. Christensen went on to the next person and the next person and the next person. Near the end of that row, Charlie was really having a rough time. He was taking a lot more time to complete each set of 10 push-ups. Charlie asked Dr. Christensen, Sir, do I have to make my nose touch the floor on each one? Dr. Christensen thought for a moment and said, Well, Charlie, they're your push-ups. You're in charge now. You can do them any way you want. And Dr. Christensen moved on. A few moments later, a young man named Jason, a recent transfer student, came in the room, or he was about to come in the room, 
And all the students saw him and yelled in one voice, no, don't come in the room, stay out. And Jason didn't know what was going on. Charlie picked up his head and said, no, let him come in. And so Professor Christensen said, you realize that if Jason comes in, you'll have to do 10 push-ups for him. Charlie said, yes, let him come in, give him a donut. So Dr. Christensen, okay, Charlie, I'll let you get Jason's out of the way right away. Jason, do you want to have a donut? Now, Jason was new to the room and hardly knew what was going on. And so he answered, yes. He said, uh, uh, I'd like a donut, please. And so Dr. Christensen said, Charlie, would you please do 10 push-ups so that Jason can have a donut? And Charlie did 10 push-ups very slowly and with great effort. And Jason, bewildered, was handed a donut and he went and sat down. Dr. Christensen finally finished the fourth row and then started on those visitors seated by the heaters. Charlie's arms were now shaking with each push-up in a struggle to lift himself up against the force of gravity. By this time, sweat was profusely dropping off his face. There was no sound except his heavy breathing. There was also not a dry eye in the room. The very last two students in the room were two young women both cheerleaders at the school and very popular. Dr. Christensen went to Linda, the second to the last, and asked, Linda, do you want a donut? Linda said very sadly, no, thank you. Professor Christensen quietly said, Charlie, would you please do 10 push-ups so that Linda can have a donut that she doesn't want? Grunting from the effort, Charlie did 10 very slow push-ups for Linda. Then Dr. Christensen turned to the last girl, Susan. Susan, do you want a donut? Susan had tears running down her face and she began to cry. She says, Dr. Christensen, why can't I help him? Dr. Christensen also had tears of his own. No. No, he said, Susan. Charlie has to do it alone. I've given him the task and he's in charge of seeing that everyone has an opportunity for a donut, whether they want it or not. When I decided to have a party this last day of class, I looked at my grade book. Charlie here is the only student with a perfect grade. Everyone else has failed a test or skipped class or turned in inferior work. Charlie told me that In football practice, when a player messes up, he must do push-ups. So I told Charlie that none of you could come to my party unless he paid the price by doing your push-ups. He and I made a deal for your sakes. Charlie, would you please do 10 push-ups so that Susan can have a donut? As Charlie very slowly finished his last push-up, with the understanding that he had accomplished all that was required of him, having now done 350 push-ups. His arms actually buckled beneath him and he fell to the floor. Dr. Christensen turned to the room and he said to the students, and so it was that our Savior Jesus Christ on the cross pled to the Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit with the understanding that he had done everything that was required of him. And he cried, it is finished. 
and he yielded up his life. And like some of those in this room, many of us leave the gift of salvation on the desk. Two students helped Charlie up off the floor and to his seat. He was physically exhausted, but he wore a thin smile. Well done, good and faithful servant, said the professor, adding these words, not all sermons are preached in words. Turning to the class once again, the professor said, my wish is that you might understand and fully comprehend all the riches of grace and mercy that have been offered to you through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. God spared not his only begotten son, but gave him up for us all now and forever. Whether or not we choose to accept his gift to us, the price has been paid. Wouldn't it be foolish and ungrateful to leave Christ's gift of salvation at the cross and not to take it to yourself. And now let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we have for us the teaching about the table of the Lord, the communion service. And we'll pick it up in verse 23. Paul wrote these words, For I, that's Paul, have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. And we'll pause there. Our Savior died on the cross for each and every one of us whether we receive the gift of salvation or not. Just because a person attends a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church doesn't mean they're saved and on their way to heaven. Just like the students in Dr. Christensen's class. Not all of them had received the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Some people don't believe that they need it. Some people don't understand that they need it. Some people just aren't aware. Of course, there are those who just outright reject. How is it with your heart tonight? Have you made room for the Savior at some point in your life? Have you asked him to forgive your sin and come in your heart and be your Savior and really meant it? Have you taken the gift of eternal life into your heart and soul? Is Jesus living in your heart tonight? If he is, then you're on your way to heaven. If he is not, then there's a gift for you waiting to be received. The communion service shows the Lord's death. That's what it does. It pictures his death upon the cross for you and for me. In just a moment, we'll have some silent prayer. And then a 
few minutes after that, our men will be assisting us by distributing the trays of the broken little pieces of bread. After that, the tiny little cups with the grape juice in it. They represent his broken body, his shed blood. If you're here tonight and you've never actually been born again, you ought not to take the elements. You ought not to take the bread and take the little cup of juice because what you're telling God is a lie. You're telling him there's nothing between my soul and the Savior. Jesus and I are one. I've received him as my Savior. He is my Lord. I am his servant. Where in reality you hadn't done it. And if you partake, God will have to deal with you. If you're here tonight and you know you're born again, but you've been a little bit of a clever devil, you've not been living your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, and you go ahead and partake, God will have to chasten you. Because by partaking, what you're saying is that there's no unconfessed sin. There's nothing between my soul and the Savior. Every sin that I've, I've done, I've, I've confessed. I've asked forgiveness. If you've offended another person, you've taken the, the measures to try to correct that. So there's nothing left undone. If you're here tonight and you're living your life for the Lord Jesus, the best you know how. There's no unconfessed sin in your life. You need to partake. That's what you need to do. What a wonderful, wonderful opportunity is ours. Communion, I'm sorry to say, has been so badly abused in so many churches and so-called churches, been turned into a religious exercise or something that's just sort of you do it, like breathing or eating, you just do it, or it's not that way at all. It's a special date with the Savior.